in in brief, he was asking about this balance between what we would call our spiritual lives or dharma, as he referred to it, and the material world and how he feels like tragically in this country people are turning more and more to the Western culture of materialism and turning away from the traditional values of a spiritual life and really how to A, counteract that, but also B, accepting that that is the society that we're in today. How do we balance for ourselves, for our children, both of those? If you look at Dharma in general and our Dharma in specific, what you'll see is that there's nowhere that it says, thou shalt not prosper materially. Dwarka, where Krishna was king, was a city made of gold. Lanka, where Ravan was king, was also a city made of gold. The problem was clearly not the gold. The problem had to do with where Ravan had gone astray in terms of his ego, his lust, his greed, his arrogance, his illusion. It wasn't the gold itself that took him off the path of Dharma, because here, Dwarka was a city made of gold. We have so many stories in the scriptures of there being a, a beautiful, not just balance, but a coexistence of prosperity on a material level and full and complete Dharma. And then, of course, we also have stories of whether it's Shabri, whether it's Vidurji, of that incredible wealth of spirituality in the face of absolute absence of anything materially. And what all of this taken together makes us realize is that the wealth itself isn't either the barrier to the spirituality, nor is it a catalyst for it. Sometimes they coexist, sometimes they don't coexist. Really where the balance comes and where the focus comes and the importance comes is what our attention is on. If our attention is on simply the accumulation of more and more material wealth, I need to be richer than, better off than, higher than my neighbor, my brother, my cousin, my foe, my peer, then that's where my entire focus goes. And we cannot simultaneously walk in two directions. You cannot walk east and walk west, or walk north and walk south. We have to choose a focus in our life. 
And when our focus is simply on the accumulation of material wealth, that's the path that we walk on and everything else takes a backseat. Whether it's our physical health, whether it's our family, whether it's Dharma. However, when we make spirituality and Dharma the focus, there's nothing in it that says, thou shalt be poor. Thou shalt not own nice things. Thou shalt ride a bicycle instead of drive a car. There's nothing like that in any of the any of the scriptures. All we're told is, thou shalt not lose sight of what's important in life under the allure of all that glitters. So when we walk our path of Dharma, very frequently what we find is that success follows. There's actually a, a beautiful story about this that I love, which is of a, a woman, and she's home alone one day, and there's a knock on the door. And she goes to answer the door, and standing at the doorstep are these three men. And they say to her, is your husband home? So she says, no, but that's okay, come on inside. And they say, no, that's okay. We'll wait outside until your husband comes home. It's the proper thing to do. My name is love. And with me are success and wealth. And when your husband comes home, please ask him which of us he would like to invite into the house. Because only one of us can enter the home. So the men wait on the front lawn and finally the family comes home and she tells them about what's happened. So the husband says, I think we should invite success into the house because if we have success, then our dear son will get into the university that he wants to get into and then he'll get the job that he wants and then everything will be wonderful. So she says, well, sure, but honey, don't you think that if we invite wealth into the home, then we'll already be wealthy, and it won't matter what university he gets into. It won't matter what job he gets, because we'll already have wealth. Their daughter says, mom, dad, thank you so much for thinking so much about myself and my brother, but really, I think we should invite love into the home because wherever there's love, we will all be together. Where there's love, we don't need anything else. Even if he doesn't get into the university, even if he doesn't get the job, at least, at least we'll have love. And that's really what we want. So her parents, of course, are touched, slightly embarrassed, naturally. And they say, oh, you've made such a beautiful decision. So the mother goes out onto the lawn and she says, okay, which of you is love? Love stands. She says, you may enter our house. We have decided to invite you into the house. 
So love stands and starts to enter, and behind him, the other two follow. So after love crosses into the house, the woman goes to close the door. But these other two men start to walk in, and she says, no, no. We've invited love in, and as you mentioned, only one of you can come in. So I'm so sorry, success and wealth. You'll have to wait outside. And love says, ma'am, if you had invited success or wealth into your house, he would have had to enter alone. But wherever love goes, success and wealth always follow. And that, that is this, this way of bringing the balance. Because sometimes, of course, it's material success and material wealth. Sometimes it's inner wealth and inner success. Sometimes it's wealth of love of our loved ones and our family. It takes so many forms. But wherever love goes, everything follows. And so, if we make love, which really is just another name for Dharma, because all of what Dharma tells us, Vasudev Kutumbaka, the world is a family. Well, if the world is a family, it means love them. Isha Vasyamidam Sarva, Yat Kinchajakatem Jagat. Everything in the universe is pervaded by the divine. Well, if that's true, love them. See the divine in all means love. So all of what Dharma teaches us, from our puja to our daily life, is all about love. Love for the creator, and therefore, as we were speaking about on the banks of Ganga, love for the creation. And if we dedicate our lives to that, everything else follows. Pooja Swamiji always speaks about filling our shelf and filling ourself. And how many, many times we are focused on just filling our shelves. The accumulation of material wealth. And then we accumulate it, but we find that we are empty inside. We don't have that anchoring, that grounding. This is where you get all of these stories of fabulously wealthy, successful people who are alcoholics, drug addicts, who commit suicide, who suffer depression. Whereas if we focus on filling the self, then everything becomes full. And so in terms of just lastly child-rearing, Raise the child with love. Love for God in every name, every form. Love for themselves because God lives within them. Love for everyone and everything around them. And that's the greatest gift you can give them. Everything else will come. Lastly, just to share one other of my favorite of Pooja Swamiji's lines and teachings, particularly abroad, whereas you mentioned this, 
his focus is so much more materially. He always says to the families abroad, he says, don't worry about giving your children cars. Cars they will buy. Worry about giving them some scars. And if you focus your child-rearing on giving sanskaras, the cars and all of the rest will come in its own time. Very, very quickly in response to the question, he said that in the villages, he feels like children are not getting enough spirituality because they're not able to go, whether it's to schools, whether it's to other educational facilities, and the tragedy of that. Two just very, very quick points about that. First of all, tragically, schools are what suck spirituality out of our children. Now, they give them a lot of other good things. I'm not saying we shouldn't send our children to school, but we sh should not have the impression that our schools are what are giving our children spirituality. That comes from home. Tragically, what our schools are teaching them is memorize this, memorize that. This is your number. This is your rank. You are as worthy as your percentage. You are your percentage, in fact. How many schools is it not about my name but my, my registration number? So we're not actually giving spiritual education in the schools, which is a completely different question that we don't have time for right now. But nonetheless, it's a very important one because that's really what's needed. Until we have it in the schools, this is what happens at home. And I think actually from what I've seen in the villages, there's so much more spirituality because there isn't the indoctrination of the system that says you are your bank account, you are your achievement, you are your number, you are what type of car you drive. So in many cases, although they're suffering on so many other levels, I think that that spiritual touch actually still, thankfully, is probably what keeps them, keeps them alive. But quickly on the other point, we are doing a lot of work, so many other organizations are doing a lot of work to bring education, reading, writing, arithmetic, but reading, writing, arithmetic with sanskaras into the villages so that they actually get the education they need to be able to further their lives. But along with that education, they don't have the spirituality sucked out of them. Rather, it actually gets nourished and nurtured to grow and blossom. But more is required for sure.